Welcome, it's indisputable. I'm your host, Rashad Richie, good to be with you. We have a lot on the agenda today. Breaking down news of the day, my contributor, none other than Ben Glebe, comedian extraordinaire, Rebel HQ contributor, bengleeb.com. Should be a fascinating breakdown. Top story of the day, Nikki Haley says she says she's running for president of the United States. And that America basically, hey, it is not a racist country. And culture, Republican as well, says Nikki Haley needs to go back to her own country. Here it is. She's just a preposterous creature. Um, but she, her candidacy did remind me that I need to immigrate to India so I can demand they start taking down um, parts of their history. <laughs> Well, you are a good. What's with the worshiping? Of, what's with the worshiping of the cows? They're all starving over there, and they're worshiping cows. Do you know they have a a a a, a rat temple where they worship rats? Hey, baby well, cake, well, why don't you go back to your own country and reconsider that history? No. How about Gandhi's behavior with little girls? Can we review hey, that? Hey, wait a minute. As you may know, I am referring to Nikki Haley. Um, um, child of immigrants, governor of, of South Carolina, who immediately um, after you know some some psychopath does a, the mass shooting at the church. Yeah, 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 hideous. Oh, what will I do? Let's take down the Confederate flag from from the South Carolina uh, capital. Wow, Nikki Haley says racism basically is not a reality of this country. This country is. Just so much more than what people have said it to be. It is fascinating that a Republican says, I'm running for president. Racism is not American. It does not exist in the way that people proclaim it does. And a day later, basically, a fellow Republican tells her, go back to your own country. Let me clarify a few things, Ann Coulter. So while you are talking about the religious ideology or the lifestyle faith of Hindus. While you besmirch their faith, let me remind you that Catholics believe in transmutation. That the actual wine transforms into the actual blood of Yahshua, Jesus Christ. Oh Yeah, and Catholic priest, yeah, they did some things with children according to the Catholic Church. Monsters they were. Also, how about the reality that Christian evangelicals, many of them believe that if you allow a venomous snake to bite you, you will not have an adverse reaction. That is codified in the faith of many who are in that movement. I did not hear you besmirch them. You were upset over a flag, madam, a flag that represents racism, bigotry in the United States of America. And truly, and it represents treason against the United States government. Now, I want to remind everyone that Nikki Haley came out with her campaign commercial for president, and it said uh, this. Here it is. And my parents reminded me and my siblings every day how blessed we were to live in America. Some look at our past as evidence that America's founding principles are bad. They say the promise of freedom is just made up. 
Some think our ideas are not just wrong, but racist and evil. Nothing could be further from the truth. It is going to be interesting to see how Nikki Haley responds to the racism of Ann Coulter. Will she call it what it is, bigotry and racism in the United States of America? Yes, contextualized in the political party known as the Republican Party, but truly it permeates everywhere. For those who are keeping score, just a reminder before the horrific murders in the state, Nikki Haley was governor. She actually supported Confederate flags and symbols of hate and racism. Here it is. You know, I feel like it's been resolved to the best of its ability. I mean, I wasn't here when they actually went through and did the negotiations. I understand that it was brutal, but I think that they came up with the best solution we're going to hope for. You know, what people need to, what I tend to look at as the practical side of the matter is, you know, you had two thirds, it takes two thirds of the House and two thirds of the Senate to change that. That's not going to happen. I think right now, the Confederate flag, where it is, is where. The legislature is comfortable with it. I think that you know there was a compromise among the state on where it should be. And so it's not something I see as a priority right now. I think right now we need to be focusing on jobs and our economy and our education. You know, for those groups that come in and say they have issues with the Confederate flag, I will work to talk to them about it. I will work and talk to them about the heritage and how this is not something that is racist. This is something that is a tradition that people feel proud of. Mm. Not something that is racist, she said at that time. She was interviewing with the Sons of the Confederate, basically the KKK light. And in that interview, it looked as if they kidnapped her and put her in a dark room and made her say that, granted. But please keep in mind, she was for the Confederate flag. She was for keeping the symbol of hate. And she was for protecting that symbol of hate. Need I remind everyone? These individuals typically have either very little or no backbone at all. They simply go with the political wind. Also, recent interview, Sean Hannity, Fox News, safe haven for all things racist. She could not answer a simple question about her political ideology. Here it is. What specific policy areas would you, would you say part with Donald Trump? What I am saying is I don't kick sideways, I'm kicking forward. Joe Biden is the president, he's the one I'm running against. And what I'm saying is you don't have to be 80 years old to be president. We don't need to have these same people going back again. We need something new. We need a new generation of fighters. We need people that understand whether you're American, your average American is coming from, and we shouldn't be afraid to fight for that. And that's what I'm willing to do. I'm not gonna kick sideways. I don't have time for that. That's not my focus. I'm kicking forward. It's all about Joe Biden and it's all about the people in America winning again. And that's why we want everybody to go to NikkiHaley.com because we're in this to win it. All right, uh, Governor, we're going to be following. Obviously, this race has now begun. We're gonna, we'll follow it every step of the way. Hannity not following her race. Let me tell you something. No way in the hell you could win a Republican primary and not actually run against the Republicans in the primary. An answer like that is indicative of fear. Fear. Oh, I don't kick sideways. We're running against Joe Biden. No, you're not. He's president. Okay? You're running against Donald Trump. You may be running against DeSantis. But if you're not willing to actually contrast your leadership 
to that of those who are running in the primary, you got a problem. You have to stand up at least Nikki for what you believe, unless what you believe is such a mirror image of Trump that it makes no sense to say anything. And maybe it makes no sense to run. That was the point Hannity was trying to make. As far as I'm concerned, every single one of y'all in the Republican primary, the top candidates, horrible, horrible. Adverse to America, adverse to decency, adverse to good policy. Every single one of you will be bad for this country. That is my opinion. To Ann Coulter, if Nikki Haley would have allowed a racist flag to remain standing, would have allowed racist monuments to remain standing, Ann Coulter would likely have no criticism of Nikki Haley. Please understand this is more than just a flag. It is more than just a statue. It is a beacon for their psychological dynamic associated with white supremacy. It becomes an expression of their power. Why? Because those symbols of black folk oppression are funded by taxpayer dollars. That is a win for them. And it says something about their power, even though they should have none. Also, in the Hindu religion, just to make sure I update the record because of Ann Coulter, a cow has acquired a sacred status in the Hindu faith. The cow was gradually incorporated into a religious ritual and itself became sacred and an object of veneration from 4th century BCE. It represents Mother Earth as it is a source of goodness and its milk nourishes all creatures, including us. Krishna, a central Hindu deity, is often portrayed in stories recounting his life as a cowherd and re referring to him as the child who protects cow. Just to give you background, as Ann Coulter left that out. My dear brother, what are your thoughts here? So many thoughts, Doc. It's so good to be back with you. And what good a story you. to start with. Um, firstly, of course, Sean Hannity does not want Nikki Haley running because he wants his sweet baby. Right. <laughs> he wants his his girl Trump running. And so I understand why he's trying to sabotage her early, but there probably is not much daylight between the policies of Nikki Haley and Donald Trump, she supported him. And she basically is just saying, I'm younger. I'm a little less crazy and I'm younger. It's sort of the uh, CBS promotion tactic of like a big bang theory to young Sheldon. It's just, <laughs> I'm, I'm still Sheldon, I'm just younger Sheldon. That's basically the move right there. And then of course, Ann Coulter comes right out the gate hard with the racism. I think Ann Coulter would have hit her for her Indian heritage, even if, she had supported keeping Confederate flags up as governor. Um, she loves to find things to hit people on. She referred to Nikki Haley as baby cakes in that comment. And she's not a comedian for the record. She is somebody who is a rabble rouser, a flamethrower, and just tries to separate people at all costs. Go back to your own country when Nikki Haley was born here is an insane, incredibly racist thing to say. Yep. But Nikki Haley herself says America is not a racist country. She probably is referring to the land itself. The land inherently is not racist because land doesn't have feelings or opinions. But she uses as an example about how the country doesn't have a racist background to say that she is the first 
female minority governor in American history, which would prove the country's not racist if the country was five years old. That's right. Maybe 10, 250 years, and it took that long to get a female minority to run a state. I would say that's proof of the opposite point that Nikki Haley is trying to make. So it's a confusing time capped only by the fact that Ann Coulter also said in defense of her criticizing Nikki Haley for trying eventually to take down Confederate flags and and symbols. She said about Ann Coulter's own descendants that they were Union soldiers. I hate to break it to you, what side was the Confederate flag? This is like somebody saying, we gotta keep the Nazi flag up. Why? Because my family fought the Nazis. <laughs> uh, Okie doke. Very well said, dear brother. Great observation. Emotions run high in courtrooms at times. The killer, the Buffalo mass shooter. Was at a hearing, people were able to speak. Here's what happened. You gonna come to our city and decide you don't like black people. Man, you don't know a damn thing about black people. We're human. We like our kids to go to good schools. We love our kids. We never go in no neighborhood to take people out. Put up the picture of the killer full mass. Let me give you some background as to what you just saw. It was emotional, yes. It was during the sentencing hearing yesterday. A man rushed the white supremacist who was responsible for the Buffalo, New York mass shooting. 19 year old Peyton Gendron was sentenced to life in prison without parole for murdering 10 black victims at the Topps Friendly Market in Buffalo, New York, May 14th, 2022. He'll be back in a federal courtroom today, where he is facing 27 felonies, including hate crime charges. Prior to the outburst, Gendron struck a deal to avoid a possible death penalty for the massacre. Some of the family members left behind were overwhelmed with emotion. Let's put up picture of his victims. He murdered top from left to right, 65 year old Celestine Cheney, 32 year old Roberta A. Drury, 53 year old Andre McNeil, 72 year old Catherine Massey, 53 year old Margus D. Morrison. Bottom from left to right, 67 year old Hayward Patterson, 55 year old Aaron Salter, 62 year old Geraldine Talley, 86 year old Ruth Whitfield, and 77 year old Pearl Young. Gendron had planned the shooting for several months. He shot 13 black victims with a semi-automatic rifle, only three survived. 
The courtroom incident happened after Catherine Massey's sister, Barbara, was giving her victim impact statement where she wanted to choke Gendron as the man who charged Gendron stood behind her. Just as Barbara finished her statement, the man pushed her aside to get to the killer. Several cops did in fact restrain him. Social media users commented on how he was rushed, talking about the killer, was rushed out of the courtroom like he was a victim as officers restrained the man. A man on Twitter responded to the viral, viral video and identified himself as Barbara's nephew. He also said the irate man was his cousin, okay? And that is the post. Let's go to the judge, Susan Egan. Judge Susan Egan spoke on urgency to end the generational violence of white supremacy and even quoted poet Amanda Gorman during the sentencing hearing. When Judge Egan delivered her sentence down, she told the killer, there is no place for you or your ignorance, hateful and evil ideologies. There could be no mercy for you. You would never see the light of day as a free man ever again, the judge says. Additionally, during the hearing, uh, the killer apologized for his crimes. He said, and I quote, I did a terrible thing that day. I shot and killed people because they were black, he said. But family members were unmoved. It was written for him, I didn't, it didn't seem sincere. It was too short, said Deja Brown, the daughter of one of the victims. Even after the sentencing was over, some family members felt zero closure. All right, um, I concur with the family that the lawyers probably wrote that very short statement. Sometimes lawyers do that when the individual refuses. To write something, they said, listen, you're gonna make me look bad. Now, just read this, okay? Just say this and nothing else. Did not seem heartfelt, uh, did not seem as if it was authentically from him. Uh, but really, who gives a damn? At the end of the day, who cares what he has to say? I am glad the judge actually addressed generational white supremacy and generational racist violence. Because typically, you will see a generational connection between white supremacy and white supremacist. And the judge actually spoke to it directly. All right, Ben, thoughts here. I mean, it's just such a tragedy. I'm so at least um, heartened to see punishment and justice reaching this horrible evil person. And when the federal trial is conducted, he could still receive the death penalty even for that. Um, but it just strikes me how quickly and aggressively every security officer and bailiff in that court grabs the man that tries to punch this vile murderer and subdued it so quickly and rushed this murderer out of the courtroom to protect his innocent little face. And this man, when he killed people, was escorted safely yet again to be able to face trial. And that's the good parts of our country protecting people, even if they are accused of crimes. But you gotta wonder why couldn't they just be a little slower? Mm. Why couldn't they just be a little? They have to aggressive. What would be the worst? The guy gets punched in the face. Like I understand we're a country that stands against cruel and unusual punishment, and we should. But sometimes you don't need to jump and stop a man from punching this man and giving him the catharsis he needs. He took lives. Didn't have any issue with that. 
It's not going to be the end of the world if you're a little slower getting to this monster. Um, it's just, it's just very painful. Thankfully, at least there's no charges being brought against that man that rushed this monster. Um, you just, I just hope that we see more, more yeah. justice, and I hope that we don't forget that these are the shootings that are taking and terrorizing the lives of our fellow citizens. I've been watching the news covering this and they say the shooter of a shooting at a supermarket in Buffalo already like seeming like it's just one of a million and one that we don't even remember. We do remember it. It was just last year. That's right. And it was just a week or so before the school shooting in Texas. Let's not have these be statistics. Let's not have these be things that fade from our memory. Let's have these things be part of our collective pain and trauma. So maybe it leads to some changes that can actually reduce these horrible hate incidents in the future. And we can work towards that more perfect union at some point. There you go. We have an indisputable exclusive. FBI confidential informants. Well, according to a report, some of them are felons who are in fact infiltrating Black Lives Matter. Let me take you to the first video, here it is. A special Agent Scott Dahlstrom with Special Agent uh, Byron Mitchell, uh, CHS for meet with uh, Zebedias Hall. Thank you. You can hear this, so I put it in my front pocket, right? Yeah. Okay, got it. Gee, I'm actually slender there. Video look good? Yep. Yeah, look handsome. Mm -hmm. Not as handsome as that kid. That's a good looking kid. All right. Good luck. All right. See you guys shortly. Yep, I got it. Thanks, Mom. Thanks, Dad. Put his picture up for a mask. Everyone strap in. It's a hell of a story here. Convicted sex offender, Mickey Weindecker traveled around Denver in a silver purse full of guns, attempting to lure racial justice protesters to commit violence against the police in the summer of 2020. The catch is he was working for the federal government according to the information present. Reporter Trevor Aronson obtained that video from an anonymous source. You just saw the informant Mickey Weindecker talking with two agents of the FBI reading to record Black Lives Matter protester Zeb Hall smoking a cigar and hopping in his hurts full of guns. The Intercept reported that Weindecker touted his military history fighting with Iraqi uh, Pashmerja. He showed off his prison tattoos, trying to win trust with Black Lives Matter protesters. This all took place Denver 2020, once again. Aronson obtained FBI receipts for Weindecker, who was paid more than $20,000 
for infiltrating racial justice protests that summer. Here's a direct quote from Trevor. It says, the FBI aggressively pursued racial justice and left wing activists based on nothing more than First Amendment protected activities. The story of the Bureau's infiltration of racial justice activist groups is particularly relevant now as House Republicans launch a new committee chaired by Representative Jim Jordan, Republican in Ohio, that seems exclusively focused on the FBI's alleged targeting of right wing groups. Let's put them up. Trevor Harrison reported the story. He has documented abuses and ethics problems in domestic terrorism and sting operations for years. All right, we appreciate his time with us. He has a book, the 2013 book, The Terror Factory, inside the FBI's manufactured war on terror. Documented the FBI disclosed in 2008, it had grown its number of undercover informants to 15,000. During the time of Pro, that number was significantly less. Harrison spoke to Indisputable directly. He said, and I quote, and so what they do is they'll go to Congress and they say, Congressional Committee, I'm here to report that we arrested three dozen terrorists in the last quarter. They were involved in a plot to bomb this building upon this bridge. What they don't say is that all of those cases were, or the majority of those cases were plots that were engineered by the FBI through sting operations. They never advertised that part of it, right? Okay, uh, let's put up the document. Infiltrating racial justice protesters is not a new thing for the FBI. It's counterintelligence program, COINTELPRO, targeted civil rights leaders in the 1960s. We've got the documentation there. It is a 1964 letter from that program mailed to Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. telling him to commit suicide. It was orchestrated by our own federal government. Dr. King was threatened with exposure of personal dynamics that may have been embarrassing. This was an ongoing saga as part of multiple documentaries that involved the story of Dr. King. Dr. King, however, did not stand down. The US Senate's search committee or church committee, excuse me, determined Quantel Pro, which ended in 1971, was illegal. They utilized illegal tactics according to the same government. Um, Aris's work notes that congressional oversight of the FBI has lapsed since 9-11-2001. Uh, let's put it up. Indisputable spoke with one of the subjects of the Denver sting operation on Zoom, Mr. Zeb Hall, okay? Hall described how Mickey Weindecker tried to escalate their protest to violence. Hall says he was suspicious but when Weindecker outlined a plot to assassinate the Colorado Attorney General, he panicked. When he asked me to kill Phil Weiser, I was too afraid to back out. And I didn't understand completely because I never bought a gun before. He said he had diplomatic immunity. He showed his pictures of him fighting ISIS and these people over, over there. But I wouldn't have gotten the gun if I wasn't scared, dude. Like I said, it's not every day someone asks you to kill a public official. Hall declined to participate in the plot, but agreed to buy 
the informant a handgun to deter him from telling other protesters he was a snitch. Hall says he thought Weindecker would turn the protesters against him. When Hall says he tried to approach his congressperson about what happened, he says she told him not to speak with her. It's funny, Zeb Hall says, a week before I got picked up, I shared something. I started talking about the Gretchen Whitmer incident online. And about a week later, after sharing this on a group called Black Atheist and Agnostics United, they arrested me. Hall, who had no prior criminal record, pleaded guilty to a, to a felony of buying a firearm for a felon. Uh, he still is on probation for that. He bought a firearm for a guy who was an informant. Isn't that interesting? Uh, the FBI National Press Office would not comment, let's put it up, uh, to Indisputable about Aronson's reporting. Uh, they responded to Indisputable and they said, uh, hey, the FBI does not have a comment, respectfully, FBI National Press Office. Okay, we are still awaiting a response from the Department of Justice. Here is Attorney General Mayor Garland and the Director of the FBI, Christopher Ray. Buck stops with them, okay? Uh, we deserve answers. We deserve answers. There are legitimate operations, obviously, that law enforcement agencies are engaged in. There are legitimate plots that they have not only uncovered, but they have been able to stop. This sounds completely illegitimate. Answers are needed now. We will continue to follow this story. We do have significant uh, we do have a significant connection to those who are willing to talk. And there are many members of the FBI, many agents in the FBI who care deeply about this country and the direction it's headed in. And they don't want it to go there. All right. All right. Ben, thoughts here. Well, counterintelligence is the right phrase because it's so counterintelligent to infiltrate your own social justice movements in your own country and try to create narratives that fit what you want to believe about a group of people simply fighting for their rights. I mean, what a shocker that under Donald Trump's administration, there were FBI agents sent in to infiltrate protests and tried to make them violent so that Trump could say they're violent. Law and order, law and order, get out in those streets and crack down what? Our own guys that are infiltrating with a hearse filled with guns? I mean, yeah, you're gonna find guns if you bring the guns. That's one of the basics of, of how physics work. <laughs> right. If you're trying to find a stash of guns, if you bring it, boom, you found it. So I really do hope more comes out about this. And like you said, there's legitimate reasons to go undercover. Undercover of things that might be trying to overthrow parts of our government, might be trying to commit crimes, murder, espionage, not fighting for rights. Let those yep. play out, let those play out. All right, we got more on the other side. It's indisputable stick and stay. All right, welcome back. We got a lot of show left. Let me read a few of these amazing comments. All right. Textan says, sounds like you're campaigning for a position in the uh, on the World Cup team. With all the forward and sideways kicking you're talking about, Nikki. <laughs> I like that. 
Uh, and James Thompson, thank you for that. Gifted One Indisputable with Dr. Shaw Richie membership. We appreciate you. Uh, and Creative Culture TV. You mean the family didn't give him a hug like uh, both of John's family did? Amber Geiger? Yep. All right. All right. Okay. Got something for you. I wish you Karen would. You want to call the police on them for having a barbecue on a Sunday? You're going to feel free. Back off! I'm going to tell them there's an African American man threatening my life. Why don't you go? Go back in your house. All I'm doing is working. You've got a lawsuit on you now. Okay. What is your name and the name of your garden service? I cannot. Listen to me. I am telling you to stop filming me. Okay, then leave me alone. I'm trying to. I'm trying to document this for my safety and yours okay Sancho's garden service okay. would you like my phone number All right, let's put the picture up for a mask. Listen, I don't know if this is a legit Karen, if this is just an online skit or freaking amazing advertising, okay? But whoa, it was worthy of highlight. Um, we all know, ladies and gentlemen, uh, that Karens are you know, able to act in this manner. Uh, the behavior seems to line up, but it can be mimicked in some skits we have highlighted before. It does happen. but. We have a guy who's an expert on the show. Sir, my dear brother, is this a comedic skit or do you say it is an authentic Karen moment? Hard to know, hard to know because Karens are getting more Karen-y every day. The yeah. Karenicity is taken off out of this world. So I don't think it's impossible that a Karen would hide inside a trash can to not be filmed while screaming in someone's face causing the filming. I really am becoming an advocate for all of us, not just police, but all of us wearing body cameras, mostly <laughs> just so we can see the beginnings of these Karen videos. I wanna see what causes that people to pull their cameras out because it's just so wild. But um, let me just say it's been two weeks now, whether it's a skit or not, it's been two weeks now and I'm very happy with Sancho's gardening service in my house. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> all right, got something for you, double dose. You want to call the police on them for having a barbecue on a Sunday? You feel free. Back off! I'm going to tell them there's an African American man threatening my life. What are you doing mowing their lawn? Excuse me? Yeah, why are you in their yard mowing their lawn? Are you seriously? Yeah. Like, I had neighbors call and talk to them all. They needed help. They get help. They always have hand out. I mean, ma'am, there are better ways to ask a guy for a date. <laughs> this is anti-Good Samaritan Karen. 
Uh, we have heard about these Karens, have never observed one in the wild. Now we actually do have a record of an anti-Good Samaritan Karen. She was highly upset that this man had the audacity to actually provide a service at no charge to somebody in the community. Being false here. Well, I'm on, on the side of this Karen. I think we have to <laughs> stop people from chopping down people's lawns. I mean, yeah. you know, there's priorities. And I think number one is stopping people from keeping people's lawns manicured. I don't think it's it's okay to do, to help people in need, to get, do something nice for your neighbors. This is America, this isn't Mayberry. I really think we gotta stop this. I also was was a little bit roped in by the emotionality of that Karen who maybe is one of, you know, I actually would prefer if most Karen videos ended this way. She starts with typical Karen getting mad for something that there's no reason to get mad for, and then she turns into a very sad story. So you're doing this as a volunteer thing to, no one ever helps me. <laughs> I'm pregnant and I have a lawn across the street and nobody ever helps me. Please come do my lawn, then I can yell at you from inside my house and I don't have to get off the couch. That's right. Great observation once again, dear brother. All right, we got more on the other side. It's indisputable, stick and stay. All right, welcome back. Listen, the wonderful world, Ben Glebe. I mean, this guy lives an exciting life, all right? Ben, what you got coming up, brother? I do not just come on here and then go back to sleep and hibernate the rest <laughs> of the year. I'm a stand-up comedian and we're doing a good show for a good cause on this coming Sunday, February 19th at the Comedy Store in LA. It's a fundraiser called Always a Home to benefit the Upward Bound House, which helps homeless families around the country. We're starting with LA to get on their feet and get housing. And I'm hosting the show. We got, it's a music and comedy combo show with other comedians like Brad Williams, Jessica Michelle Singleton, Chris Riggins, Kira Soltanovich, but also musicians from Jane's Addiction, Porno for Pyros, uh, Brides of Destruction, Ozzy Osbourne, um, David Bowie's musicians from theirs group, people that play with Nelly Furtado, The Doors. It's gonna be an insane, mm. wonderful wow. event. And you can get tickets right now at my website, BenGlebe.com, come out, laugh, dance, and help some families in need. It's a pretty solid combo of an evening, if you ask me. Man, that's a hell of a deal and event, man. Thank you, dear brother, for being so thoughtful um, to bring value to us, okay? All right, overwhelming evidence, Matt Gates should be prosecuted. However, the federal government says no, tragedy. Put up the picture full mass. Let me give you the background. The Justice Department has informed lawyers for Representative Matt Gates and multiple witnesses that it will not bring charges against the Florida Republican after a year long federal sex trafficking investigation. I'm gonna give you the background as to why I disagree with the DOJ on this. One of the reporters who broke the story on Gates' allegation posted a thread of all the evidence they compiled against Gates. Feds had a confession letter. Did you hear what I just said? Feds had a confession letter, private Venmos, Uber receipts, flight records. Yet they still will not prosecute Congressman 
Matt Gates. Let me remind everyone that Matt Gates was actually on the committee providing oversight to the DOJ while the DOJ was investigating him. Isn't that ironic as hell? The man is on the committee to oversee the group of people that launched an investigation into him. All right, so let's talk about it. Uh, let's put it up. Um, Jose does great reporting. Uh, we heard Gates use Greenberg as a frontman and fixer. We got Venmos showing at least one instance that hinted at that. He then talked about the network of women paid using Venmo. Uh, let's put it up. All right. They then carefully combed through the Venmos to spot anomalies. After a week, we were able to see the full picture. Greenberg had paid a vast network of young women. Now we understood the Gates Greenberg relationship. He also talked about the witnesses they spoke to and confession letter, right? When we broke this news, more witnesses started talking. They backed up everything in the Venmos. They described how Gates regularly sought young women, nearly all blonde college freshmen. He apparently had a type. Surely there is something more than private payment transactions, right? I found out that Greenberg had written a confession letter. Greenberg, the bestie of uh, Matt Gates, tax guy in Florida. After very sensitive deliberations, I managed to snag a copy, just a snippet, my jaw dropped. This was a bombshell. He talked about finding the physical letter along with the text. My editor demanded we do our own forensics, he says. After much more investigating, I got a copy of the full letter, then a previous draft, then the first handwritten draft. We consulted a handwriting ex expert. We found out Greenberg, who's mentally unstable, alternates hands. Just as the next phase of our investigation was coming together, I found out that the FBI just started searching Greenberg's phone, which had screenshots of deleted text messages. I got those too. He talked about the contents of the confession letter. The result, a confession letter describing Gates' predatory behavior and the underage girl. The text also shows how Gates intervened to stop his buddy from getting a presidential pardon from Trump. The congressman just left his buddy out to dry. He talked about Gates seeking a pardon from Trump, all right? Uh, great question, turns out the congressman was trying to secure a pardon for himself. He talked about the feds using Greenberg as a cooperator, but suddenly just decided to just charge him instead. The corrupt tax official who knew all about his buddy's sex with girls got sentenced in December. That's not exactly what the feds do with a cooperator they want to use to prosecute the target, all right? Attorney General Merrick Garland, once again, buck stops with him. He runs the DOJ. According to ABC News, the final decision was made by department by the Department of Justice leadership. After investigators recommended against charges last year, the DOJ declined to comment. There's some investigative prowess questions, obviously, present here. If you have an individual who can absolutely identify, can absolutely indicate who else was involved, and that person is not utilized 
in the standard FBI way. There has to be a question about the influence of Matt Gates. So maybe it's not even the influence of Matt Gates. Maybe the influence comes from Matt Gates' father, who is a very influential individual himself, who was involved according to the narrative that we have. He was involved in that initial plot where they tried to pay somebody off, okay? They went on Fox News and other places to talk about it kind of publicly. They were giving softball interviews about the whole damn thing. Uh, let's be very clear. If this kind of information and evidence was on, I don't know, the average American citizen, they would have been indicted. Please believe it. Ben, thoughts here? Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised that a man who's at least tangentially in charge of his own investigation doesn't find himself <laughs> guilty. I find that shocking and stunning. Um, it's the American justice system delivering perfectly. I mean, it's so sad because did anybody even really expect him to be indicted because people in power don't seem to suffer consequences. It seems the only times you really suffer consequences is when you just admit it yourself. Like last time when I can think of almost is Nixon resigning. Mm. Like if you don't step down yourself, you're not gonna suffer consequences, which really reduces the inkling to resign. Um, Matt Gates is a dirtbag. It's yeah. obvious, and we got the receipts to prove it. Yeah. So obviously he should walk scot free and continue making our laws. And you got to think about. Yeah. You got to think about the power Matt Gates has today, right? Matt Gates has more power today in the Republican Party than he did when Trump was president of the United States. He was able to, able to broker a deal that satisfied him. He stopped the speaker from getting elected uh, until it was time for him to agree, right? Once he agreed, then the guy gets elected. Well, he gets elected because Matt Gates got a bunch of promises. The question I have, was this part of the promise matrix somehow? All right, we got questions. Well, also just, you know, the best way to keep an eye on that is look, we still don't know exactly what Kevin McCarthy conceded to yep. get Matt Gates vote, but I would start looking in Matt Gates office if you suddenly have a string of blonde 18 year old interns, <laughs> well, you got a clue. <laughs> We're going to follow the story. I don't think it is here. A black man says his boss said he'll hunt him down because he was going to expose racism at the company. Um, let's put the company up for mass here. Uh, this is really interesting. A discrimination and wrongful termination lawsuit has been filed against. HVAC company Southern Air in Lynchburg, Virginia. The plaintiff, former plumbing apprentice Adrian O'Neill Mitchell, alleged he was subjected to racial slurs and other bigoted threats while on the job. While at the company, he received threatening text messages from coworkers. And despite the graphic nature of the correspondence, his employer never addressed it. The lawsuit even claims Mitchell was terminated after complaining about the 2021 incident. Mitchell is suing Southern Air for $5 million for being responsible for racial discrimination, retaliation, wrongful termination, and suffering through a racially charged, hostile work environment. Okay. Uh, you see the vehicles they drive? Okay. Mitchell, who is black, says he was hired August 1st, 2021, and a little over a month later, his site supervisor, who was white, started making offensive jokes and using the N-word with him. After reporting the site supervisor to his higher up, 
Mitchell's lawsuit alleges his boss said, while brandishing a weapon at Mr. Mitchell, if I got fired because of you, I know where you live and I won't end, and it won't end well for you. All right, listen, I've never met the guy, I promise he talks a little bit like that. By November 2021, the threats and bigoted language did not stop. And so Mitchell reached out to human resources. Still, nothing seemed to help, the claim states. The complaint says after he reported the offenses, he started getting suspended without pay at various points and eventually deemed terminated from, from employment. He believes it was a retaliation. According to Mitchell, his site supervisor called him heinous racial slurs. He said one even threatened he was going to hunt him down and shoot him in the head. The manager said in one exchange, boy, you better be running. He perceived the messages as a threat to his life, particularly as a black man. Mitchell says in the claim, he contacted the appropriate administrators to share what happened to him. However, no one did anything about it. Uh, now, let me say this, Atlanta Blackstar did a remarkable job with this story. Uh, big ups to Nicole Duncan Smith. Uh, we also have the text messages from that reporting. I will give it to you in just a second. Southern Air has since denied Mitchell's claim. Answering the lawsuit by saying no one knew about the threats. The plaintiff's lawyers say they have evidence that Southern Air was aware of the discrimination. They said they had not heard that before and they said they heard that for the first time in the lawsuit. Mr. Mitchell's attorney, Thomas Strelka said, we have texts between Mr. Mitchell and Southern Air that clearly indicate that that is not true. Let's put up the text messages. It's called receipts. Texts between Mitchell are in blue, Southern Air Management gray, okay? Where Mitchell reported the threats he received. Mitchell explains there have been multiple days that he has been uh, being threatened uh, in response that the person at the job told him, from my understanding, today is the first day threats against your life were brought up. That's what I was referring to, okay. He debunked that version of events saying, I told the, the day I told this person the day of it happening via telephone call, he called me back. An alleged Southern Air employee says, and I quote, the job site is big enough to where you guys can work separately. Mitchell responds, I'm not forgiving him. He threatened me, my life twice, said he'll kill me if something happens to his job. Okay, we got the text right there. Mitchell added, and threatened to hit me with a piece of pipe. I know my rights, I'm not working with anyone who threatens me and slander my name about me being a snitch. The rep allegedly types back, our intention is to keep everyone working and obviously in a healthy work environment. In this screenshot, Mitchell is asked, we would like for you and so the person to come in tomorrow, to sit down and talk with us, this person and myself. So we put this past us. Can you meet us here? at 8.30 AM tomorrow morning, Mitchell responded. I don't feel like that's for my best interest. He threatened me with bodily harm. You all want me to come in and shake hands and forgive him? Sorry, I can't do that. Uh, listen, I, my response would have been hell no. I'm not coming anywhere meeting you guys at 8.30 AM in the morning. Uh, the reality is this lawsuit is going to go forward. Typically attorneys do not take these types of cases 
unless you have a documented history of discrimination and adverse or hostile work environments. Um, story will develop. Ben, thoughts here? Well, you know, it's just so frustrating that you always do need the receipts. Obviously, you have to prove your case, but um, I can hand at least the Southern Air Company one thing. They really are delivering some classic Southern Air. <laughs> I mean, this really is <laughs> the vibes that they're delivering. What a lovely place to work. I hope they get such great candidates recruited from this story to come work for them in the future. Um, how there's any response to such hatred, to such insanity, other than addressing everything they can to get rid of the offending people in these situations, there is no other excuse. And it's yet another story of human resources not doing anything. There's gotta be some way, some quiz we can create that you give to candidates for human resource jobs to see if they have inherent bias as well, and if they, or if they actually will be people that will stand up for equal treatment of all people. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see how it unfolds, but very, very unfortunate what this man had to go through. Well, listen, um, when you stand by racist people, when you decide to protect uh, a proclamation of racism inside of your company, there is a cause and effect relationship with that kind of behavior. Um, so obviously, they are standing by it, at least on some level. We got more. On the other side, this indisputable stick and stay. All right, welcome back. We have a lot of show left. I'm going to read a few of these comments. Uh, next, TYT reporter says, we have to face facts. This means Donald Trump is, isn't going to face any charges either. I do not think your comparison is off. I just hope it's wrong, all right? Okay, uh, Stop Dragon says, I was born in Lynchburg. Southern Air is one of the larger companies in town with large contracts all over the area from Roanoke to Richmond. He can absolutely get five million from them, deserves every penny. C. Michael Henson, thank you, C. Michael. This is proof positive that there are two different justice systems in the country. We need to vote out these corrupt politicians in both parties. There you go. All right. So damn sad and frankly embarrassing. Um, wheelchair bound councilmen forced to crawl on stage because they lacked accessibility for him. I'll put up the picture full mass. Uh, this is, this was completely avoidable. Uh, but when you have people who do not care about the diversity, Represented in our cultural expression in America, things like this take place. When council member Chris Hine arrived at the Cleo Parker Robinson Dance Theater in Denver, Colorado on Monday night. He arrived there to debate his political challengers for his reelection bid. He was met with a stage with four chairs and no ramp up. Hines had arrived just a few minutes before the debate was about to start. In his power chair that weighs about 400 pounds, he weighs about 200 pounds, all right? That's 600 pounds of weight. What followed was one of the most painful and humiliating moments Hines has faced in the public eye as he tried to crawl his way onto the stage. You know, I hate it when people's dignity is taken away 
who don't deserve it. Now there are some people we deserve to take that dignity away. This man did not deserve this. Put up his picture full mass. After about 10 to 15 minutes, the candidates and the venue decided to bring the debate down to the floor in front of the stage. That's the way it should have been planned. If you didn't have a ramp, you make sure it's accessible. Hines has been using a wheelchair since 2008. It's not as if the organizers were unaware. After driver crashed into him as he rode his bicycle in Denver, he has not been able to walk ever since. Hines notes he had only found out about the debate a few days earlier. After his campaign manager got wind of the event through social media, neither the organizer nor the clerk and the recorder's office had reached out. One of the candidates, Shannon Hoffman, told Fox 31 she pushed to reset the arrangement and that the crew at the theater worked to be as quickly accommodating as possible. But for Hines, he felt the moment gave him a binary choice. Either I forfeit the viability of my campaign or I get publicly humiliated. After reaching out to the clerk and recorder's office, Hines was informed that he had to go to the debate or he would have to return the $125,000 in fair elections fund money that had gotten that he had gotten so far. Per fair elections funds rules, candidates qualifying for the fund must participate in an FEF sanctioned debate. Hines says both the clerk and recorder's office and the venue organizers kept pointing the fingers back at one another. The clerk says that the venue signed a document that says their venue is wheelchair accessible and it was on them. And then the venue was saying that they wanted the district nine debate and not the district 10 debate and that the clerk's office told them they had to do the district 10 debate. Meanwhile, Cleo Parker Robinson Dance Organization issued a statement noting that the candidates had been asked to arrive two and a half hours before the debate, which would have allowed for accommodations to be made. The lesson that I hope people learn from this is we should be in an inclusive society. The government should be representative of all the people, not just those that are convenient to represent. Uh, let me say this, I'm shame on the facility and the organizers who literally blamed him, he wasn't late. Um, he wasn't late. And I get it. You want people to arrive two and a half hours early. Who in the hell has time to arrive somewhere two hours early? I'd be damned if somebody tell me to get somewhere two hours early. Okay. This person is running a campaign. The part that created the humiliation has not been addressed fully. The reality is this was simply a leadership decision. And nobody provided the leadership to make the right decision. Between all of the individuals involved, nobody said, listen, the guy who is currently elected is in a wheelchair. Which means we need to ensure an accommodation is met. That was humiliating to the elected official, according to his own words. I want to say this to you, dear brother. You and I may not agree politically across the spectrum, that's fine, that's okay. What happened to you was unnecessary. And it's indicative of a culture inside of this country 
that says, I serve people like me and don't think of anybody else. I hate this happened to you. But sometimes, sometimes your message, M-E-S-S-A-G-E, is simply mess with age on it. Allow this to become a beacon, a pivot point for you to continue the great advocacy you are already engaged in. All right, Ben, thoughts here. I mean, it's fitting that this took place in District 9. It sounds like that alien movie, District yeah. 9, with just weird stuff going on all over the place. Oh, We didn't want that debate with the guy in the wheelchair. We wanted the one from District 10. <laughs> right. but we still signed the thing saying we were wheelchair accessible. Accessible unless you want to participate in the debate. And as someone who has run a campaign, as you well pointed out, two and a half hours before, you can't get anywhere more than five minutes before, you're lucky if you get there then. That's right. Um, but I love the argument that they make, that they needed him to physically be there for them to put two and two together and realize, oh, wheelchairs don't fly. Yeah. They needed him to be there to say, yeah, I can't get up on the stage with no ramp and no elevator to get me up there. And he had to hug for 15 minutes the chair, the leg of the chair on a stage while trying to still debate. Obviously, this won't officially rule out any of his competitors from the race, but in the hearts and minds of any voter in this district, those people should get zero votes that took 15 minutes to think we should not continue this debate until we move our chairs to the floor. Yep. Leadership yep. would have been, let's move to the floor right now. Right. Should have been said not, not just by him, but by all of his competitors. You want someone that cares about compassion, cares about people, wants to represent you, see how they treat people. Maybe that's, that's right. a good metric. That's right, very well said. I got something for you. Really, I got a question. What in the red state hell? You can take a gun, shoot somebody in the face, it's not hard. Sometimes it might even be fun if they're a godless commie. Now, what they're trying to do is sneak the COVID vaccine in your salads. I never had, I hate math. Somebody say amen. Ron DeSantis in Florida, he sent teachers to a civics class. Um, and they were teaching that George Washington and Thomas Jefferson were, were anti slavery. Ron DeSantis has the idea. Let's right. Put it that way. But they, they did own slaves. Well, Oh, oh I'm sorry. Yeah, they they yeah. did own slaves, but, and, but they knew that you know those. Uh, that honestly, was, uh, things were different back then. But do you think that it should be taught that they didn't support slavery? Correct. And that that's the that's that's what the uh, you know. In the, You're saying they did not support they, slavery. They did not. That's that's why I don't you know. know. I, but they owned slaves. I'd be damned. This is the equivalent of someone saying, you know, I know he killed a lot of people, but he's actually anti-murdering. All right, obviously they are unaware of the policies of DeSantis because they simply believe the rhetoric. You know who knows that? Governor Ron DeSantis, he is well aware that most people simply listen to his words, accept it as law and continue about their day without understanding any of the policy dynamics behind it. And they're willing to change in real time what they actually believe move the moral compass of their own ethics during one interview just to ensure it can fit 
inside of the narrative of Ron DeSantis. Isn't that interesting? But you know who else? Who else does not understand his own policies? DeSantis. Clemente, I mean, seriously, uh, that's politics. Uh, I think these school unions are involved with this. Um, I mean, you guys can FOIA some of these communications. I guarantee you, you'll find some of that with the people that are doing it. Uh, so, so that's a joke, okay? You get something like that about a baseball player. First of all, I don't think parents are challenging that. I think they're doing it unilaterally to try to create an issue. Uh, but that can be resolved in, in about two minutes to be able to do that. And our Department of Education will be working, uh, you know, very quickly if they need any type of, uh, of advice on that. But none of these things, 99% of this stuff is just is, is manufactured. Um, it's not what you need to be spending time on. Lies, Governor, you're full of them. You do not know how your policies are impacting everyday school systems in your state. I'm sure you do. But I have the receipts just in case your staff of attorneys, executive team, your employees, your research team, and your legislators are unable to find it. Yes, because of the governor's policies, books about Roberto Clemente were taken away. Because now a teacher can be charged with a third degree felony if they bring in a book not vetted and approved through the bureaucracy set up by the political powers that be. County officials say books about historical black and Hispanic figures were under review, including books on Roberto Clemente, a Puerto Rican baseball player who became a major league baseball icon despite facing racism and segregation in his career, as well as Hank Aaron. A black baseball player who holds the second highest total of home runs in history and was outspoken against racial discrimination. However, officials say these books have been approved and were back on shelves. Other books pulled. The report by the anti censorship group PN America claims other titles under review include a book about Celia Cruz, a Cuban singer known as the Queen of Salsa, as well uh, was also removed from shelves. PN America. I've also found as well uh, as a book about the Supreme Court associate uh, Sotomayor, uh, the first Hispanic and the third woman to serve on the court was also reported by Pan American to be under review. And more than 1 million books in Duval County schools in Florida was subject to review due to three state laws impacting certain subjects in education, including race, gender and sexual, sexual orientation according to county officials and their discussions with ABC News. What is this? What is this? This is the modern day equivalence of book burning, okay? Stopping the flow of information and knowledge. Please understand, the only people who are afraid of individuals making their own decisions are the people who will limit the information you have to choose from. You see, information creates overview your perspective on things. 
We are a combination of three E's, experiences, exposures, and environments. If you can manipulate those three E's, you manipulate the social outcome of a person's thought process. And that is exactly what DeSantis is doing. Being thoughts here. I'm just confused on the math here. So a straight white governor creates laws, signs into law, laws that make you have to review books about anyone who's not straight or white. Basically. Interesting, am I putting that together? Is that a coincidence or is that you think maybe on purpose? I love how Ron DeSantis and Love said very sarcastically, says at the end of that statement, 99% of these things are manufactured and should not be covered. He should be saying that to himself in the right. mirror. 99% of what he focuses on is manufactured and should not be covered by a governor of a state where there are real issues and real people who need real governing, not right. posturing for a presidential campaign coming up where he mimics Donald Trump's hand movements and general malaise and hatred towards anything that is good and normal. How dare he try to play it off like this is just something being manufactured? Yeah, by him, manufactured by this hateful man. And these are the consequences of his laws. And then he says, "Oh, you can't look at the consequences. Just look at the law in theory as I present it so I can get headlines and don't look at how it affects people. Don't look at the fact that it has led to even temporarily the book of the first Caribbean man, first Latin American man inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame from being taken off the shelves. A man who died in a plane crash while going to deliver aid to victims of the Nicaraguan earthquake. A man who was, there's an award, the Roberto Clemente Award named after him because he best exemplifies the game of baseball, sportsmanship, community involvement, and the individual's contribution to a team. Take that off the shelves. But I bet you the Ron DeSantis autobiography is doing just fine. There it is. And Absolutely the good liars correct. do it again and kill it again perfectly with that interview with these two MAGA hat wearing morons. I love seeing their brains break in real time yeah. when they say, yep, the founding fathers were anti-slavery, but they had slaves. Yeah, 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 but, 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 Anti-Karens Unite. You screaming and employees Walmart. Get out of here. That's racist. Yes, it is. No, it's not. The United States doesn't have an official language, jackass. It doesn't matter. You have an hour and it's not that hard. Believe me. I'm not gonna have you. I'm not gonna have you make all these other people get mad. I'll call over that gate and I won't let them let you get on the plane if you don't settle down. I think you don't understand. I understand. I live here. I work here. I know how big the airport is. Yes. Do you? Do you live here? Do you also know that our flight was canceled twice? Well, I don't know about that one, but I know this one's leaving at 4 o'clock. It's 3 o'clock. You have one hour to get there. And if you don't settle down, I'm going to have somebody take you off this aircraft, but it's not going to be going to your next one. You understand me? Not the only people on this aircraft. I mean, he was giving serious dad vibes 
during that whole ordeal. Uh, my producer, Alex, we were talking about this before the show. Uh, you know, we were waiting for him to say, now, damn it, I'm gonna turn this plane around if you keep on acting up. Listen, flight attendants get probably the worst of Karenicity. Have you seen some of the stuff that has happened with Karens at airports? I get it. The guy was like, uh uh, not on my watch. All right, Ben, we don't have a lot of information. It's kind of a short, short video, but we kind of get it. Somebody may have been a little out of line, and the flight attendant said, let me nip this in the bud now. Thoughts here. It's again why we need body cameras so we can see the Karenicity <laughs> unfold. By the way, I think I just thought of a name for male Karens. I've been trying to think of one for a long time, Darren's. Ah. I think that's decent. But back to the topic at hand, um, you gotta love it. I love when people smack down on people that are entitled and think that they are more important than others. She clearly had a huge backpack on her back, obviously filled with complaints, cuz that's what <laughs> Karen do. So, you know, I just like seeing it go both ways and a little bit of Antica come a little Antica justice coming the right way. There you go. All right, dear brother, always a pleasure having you on the program. Tell people how they can follow you and check out your great work. Uh, just follow me on Twitter, TikTok, and or Instagram at Ben Glebe. And you can see my link in bio there as links to my special, The Mad King, links to my Rebel HQ videos, links to my new album you can download on Spotify or Apple iTunes, any of those things. And uh, support some of my comedy and come to my charity show for Upward Bound House on this Sunday at the Comedy Store in LA. Tickets at BenGlebe.com. Thank you, brother, for all the great work you continue to do. All right, let me say this, Monday, I felt as if the literal wind had been knocked out of me. My pastor, a man who was a great humanitarian, cared deeply about things that were important, did not give a damn about those things that were not, passed away. Then two days later, my other mentor passed away. This week has been a tough week. I wanna remind everyone watching, honor the mentors, that honor you. Remember, take care of yourself, take care of each other, take care of the planet. Remember, the truth is always indisputable. Welcome to Indisputable. I'm your host, Dr. Rashad Richard. We got a lot happening today. But what do we do on this show? We tell the truth. You know why we tell the truth? Because the truth is simply indisputable. Rashad, great to be here. Congratulations on the new show. And I gotta let everybody know that Rashad and I go way back. People still need healthcare, so I won't stop. People still need criminal justice systems reform throughout this country, so I won't stop, and you won't stop either.